Welcome to The Grange Point, where we hang out and talk about the latest news in science technology and how they relate to your everyday life. This podcast is brought to you by the Young Scientists of Australia. We're a youth organisation aged 15 to 25 whose work is to promote science to the youth of Australia. Ever since the world was rocked by the Zika virus outbreak in 2015, scientists have been working hard on this topic. Look at ways that researchers over the previous years have been studying and analysing the Zika virus, ways to treat it that could also help with other mosquito-borne viruses, and potentially ways to utilise the devastating effects of the Zika virus for good instead of evil. Now, the Zika virus got a lot of media attention. Ever since the large outbreak in 2015, which started in Brazil, spread then globally. And between the period of 2015 all the way through to about October 2016, it was one of the primary health concerns across the world. Now, the virus itself we've covered many times here on the podcast. And now, like we did with the Ebola outbreak, we're going to take a step back. Now that scientists have had a time to study and develop more treatments, also look at the effects on a longer term, and see what else could be done with this virus, there's a lot more detail and scientific research out there. And a whole bunch of these papers have been recently published. So we're going to take this opportunity to go in-depth into the current state of research for the Zika virus. But to do that first, we need to start by going back a little bit to explain what the Zika virus is. Now, it's from the virus family of Flaviviridae, and it's spread by the daytime active mosquito, the Aedes mosquitoes, which is A. aegypti and A. albopictus. But the name Zika comes from the actual Zika forest in Uganda. That's where this virus was first isolated and discovered all the way back in 1947. More recently, we only had our first real outbreak of Zika virus in 2007 in the state of Micronesia. But the major outbreak that we all know because it spread so rapidly across the globe was, of course, the 2015 outbreak, which started in Brazil, then spread across many countries all over the world and becoming a very focused priority for the World Health Organization and most governments across the world. Now, what the Zika virus does is actually infects you with the Zika fever is the technical name for it. And Zika fever is a bit interesting. What you end up with is joint pain, headaches, rashes, generally almost flu-like symptoms. But one of the interesting parts about the Zika virus and Zika fever is that it lies dormant for a certain period of time of incubation and then hits you lasts for about a seven-day period, and then it can go away again. But you can carry that virus for a long period of time, up to six months is the recommended safe level before you've actually been affected by it or have it cleared out of your system. And that's a long period of time, especially since Zika is also able to be transmitted sexually, which makes it a very interesting but also complex virus to manage, which is one of the reasons why the outbreak in 2015 was so widespread. Now, what the main scare around the Zika virus had been is because of the fact that in Brazil in particular, and mostly in Brazil, about 1% of babies born to mothers who were infected with Zika during the first trimester had an increased risk of microcephaly, which is basically a genetic or birth defect where there's an increased size of the head or deformed sizes of other limbs or eye damage or so on. And this looks particularly devastating, can be quite devastating for obviously the people involved. And so that caused quite a a large scare for what is otherwise a relatively mild virus when you compare it to other types of mosquito-borne viruses like dengue, yellow, or West Nile virus fevers, which can be particularly devastating and fatal very quickly. Zika wasn't necessarily as fatal, but the long-term impacts were more dangerous. So now that's what Zika is. 
how have scientists been researching and diving deep into the actual science behind Zika and ways we can both detect it better and treat it better. So when you're training a pet or a baby or learning a new skill, one of the things that's often done is you show them a picture or play them a sound or give them a command and you demonstrate this is the thing that you're either trying to do or trying to get them to recognize. And then once they've been trained and familiar enough with that object and recognition, then when they see it the next time, they know how to respond. And this is basically what we do with vaccines. We train our immune system by showing it a particular coat or protective layer that is present on viruses that is recognizable to them. And we show them that coat and say, hey, when you see this sequence of proteins, that's a virus. You should attack it. And the body goes, yeah, okay, I know how to deal with this. That's why when we're designing vaccines, we actually include a little bit of the virus inside the vaccine. That is the starter, the trainer for your immune system to teach it how to respond to a full-blown version of it in the future. Of course, when we do that, we actually strip out the bad bits of the virus and just leave the outer coating, the protective layer, so the virus doesn't do any harm, but it helps train your immune system to recognize it. And using that idea, researchers from the University of Southampton, led by Professor Salim Kahu, who's a professor in hepatology, been looking at viruses, particularly global pathogens such as mosquito-borne viruses like Zika, Dengue, Hepatitis C, and when stunning them and looking at how they respond to our immune system, and in particular, the natural killer cells, NK cells, which is a key part of the immune system, aside from having a pretty awesome name. And basically, when these natural killer cells work, they, they look through different kinds of receptors to basically hunt and clarify what they actually need to go out there and destroy. And the reason why they're looking at this group of viruses is because, well, they all share a common receptor called KIR2DS2. And maybe we could utilize that commonality to design a better vaccine. So, as we said, vaccines work by basically stimulating the immune system in response to basically a coding layer on the virus. This coating layer is made of proteins and it basically helps train the virus. Now, interestingly, the NK, natural killer cell receptor, is actually able to target a part of the virus coat that doesn't change. Basically, there's a part of that protein coating layer called NS3 heliocase protein. And that part is pretty essential to making the virus run properly. But unlike other proteins. This one is pretty static. It's almost essential to the functioning of this virus, which means that when the virus mutates and develops and changes and grows and adapts its coding layer as part of the ever-going arms race between immune system and viruses, this part, this NS3 helicase protein, doesn't change at all which means it's actually the perfect target for a vaccine. It's a pretty constant part that you can go after and attack and tell the body to actually recognize because it's always going to be there. Not only that, it's actually this NS3 helicase protein is common between viruses like hepatitis C, Zika, dengue, and yellow fever. So basically, by leveraging off the fact that all this group of viruses 
all have this same NS3 helicase protein inside their protective coating. We can actually train the natural killer cells to use their KR2DS2 receptor to lock on specifically to these viruses, take them out and leave other cells to be on their own. And that makes it a pretty exciting new method for designing vaccines, utilizing a different part of the immune system that's not typically used. Now, the really, really fascinating part about this is that by using the same mechanism, we could actually turn natural killer cells to not just target these viruses, but other potential types of cells that can be recognized by using this particular receptor, the KR2DS2. Now, NS3 helicase protein is one thing that can be detected by this receptor, but there may be others. In particular, the researchers are particularly excited by the prospect of using this as a part of a cancer treatment process. If we can somehow reconfigure these natural killer cells to hunt down things using their KR2DS2 receptor, if those things just happen to be cancer cells, then that would be a win-win for everybody involved. It would help our immune system actually boost itself to be out of fight particular types of cancer cells. That hasn't been proven yet, but, but the application to certain types of viruses that have this NS3 helicase protein is very clear and now can be developed into potential vaccines for these viruses. There's just some great work being done out of the University of Southampton about training our existing immune system to be even better at recognizing potential threats. As part of our treatment plan for helping people who are infected by Zika, we have developed what's basically like a cocktail of monoclonal antibodies, basically a combination drug treatment method that we can give to people who are infected with Zika. Now, these monoclonal antibodies are actually designed to suppress and stop the virus from causing any further damage, which is really, really important. And researchers have developed this kind of cocktail of drugs to help treat people with Zika. But a recent study conducted by researchers from the University of Miami Miller School of Medicine, led by Diogo Magnani, who's the leader of this particular study, and they've been comparing how effective this drug treatment method is for not just people, but also, for example, in pregnant mothers. Now, as we know and talked about, one of the dangers of the Zika virus is the damage that it can do to an unborn child, to a fetus. And that is quite problematic. So even though we have developed a treatment drug for the parent, can you help treat the child? And that's what this study tried to dig into. What they took was an isolated part of the Zika virus taken from pregnant women in Rio de Janeiro and transfer that to uh, pregnant macaque monkeys because that's the closest example of a study that we can do here. Uh, it's unfortunate to have to use animal subjects in this, but that's the, really the only way we could do that without literally testing it on humans, which is even more unethical. And by giving this drug cocktail method to these macaque monkeys, these pregnant macaque monkeys that were infected with this particular strain of the virus from Rio de Janeiro, whilst the mother monkey was actually treated pretty successfully, it failed to actually pass on this antibody therapy drugs through to the unborn fetus. And that really showed the limitations of a lot of the design 
and drug treatment methods that we've got for treating Zika, which seem to mostly actually only be effective for the original host, doesn't help the, the fetus in this instance. And that is unfortunately some bad news for scientists. Now, it does mean we have an, a new idea for how we could potentially target these treatment methods. Um, one important part of the study to consider is that a mother could be treated with these antibodies and thus get rid of Zika from her system. But the child, the fetus, may not have got rid of it because the treatments that we've given them are not effective. Or in other words, even if we test a mother and they come back clean of Zika, it doesn't necessarily mean that the fetus is clean of Zika. And that could cause even more problems and also prevent any surprises. But there's not really an easy way to test a fetus for Zika infection. Why would this not actually transfer through? I mean, if you're pumping the mother's blood full of all these antibodies that are cleaning it out and cleaning all the Zika out of the host mother's blood, it's not actually making and cleaning out the Zika from the amniotic fluid in the mother's womb. Basically, enough, then maybe not enough antibodies crossing from the placenta through to the fetus. And therefore, it's not high enough in concentration to actually clean out the virus. All of this goes to show that now it really highlights the importance of vaccines and prevention because once a fetus is exposed to the Zika virus, the chances of reversing the infection are very, very difficult, like with most things. Once a fetus has a type of infection, it can be really, really difficult to do anything about it until that child is born. And in the case of Zika, well, that, that would lead to birth defects if left untreated. So this is some great work being done at the University of Miami and hopefully will lead to better, more targeted treatment methods for Zika that will be able to help the fetus as well as the host mother. So that's all been a lot of doom and gloom about the dangers of the Zika virus. But one of the interesting aspects of Zika is how effective it is at going after certain parts of the central nervous system. That's why it's so dangerous to unborn fetuses. It really t attacks the developing central nervous system because it's so vulnerable. But that can actually be turned into something quite helpful if you make a few odd connections. Now, we've talked a little bit about vaccines, and they work by introducing a certain example or a pattern of a type of incoming pathogen, like a virus, to train your immune system to respond better to it. But another thing that we often do in treatment is to put into our systems something that will go after certain cells and get rid of them. And that can be great for hunting down and tackling out-of-control cells, maybe from an infection, maybe from a virus, maybe some bacteria. But in the case of cancer, where it's our own body's cells that are going out of control, sometimes a really devastating and very powerful weapon is what you need. That's basically what we do with chemotherapy. We radiate and expose all the ca cancer cells to large doses of radiation so they die. It's a bit like dropping a nuclear bomb on your body. So it's not particularly subtle, but it does the job. Could there be, though, a smarter way of tackling cancer? And that's what a team of researchers from the University of Sao Paulo's Bioscience Institute. Two key researchers there, both professors Mayana Zatz and Oswaldo Keith Okamato, have been digging into a way to adapt the Zika virus, something very common and of a lot of research effort 
in Brazil in particular, to be helpful for a certain type of cancer cells. In particular, cancer cells inside our central nervous system. So one of the big challenges in treating some variants of cancer is that once they get into these neural stem cells, basically cells inside your central nervous system that are really, really resilient, what ends up happening is that they can express a certain type of gene, which can develop from time to time in some types of malignant tumors. And that makes them even more aggressive and, worse of all, treatment resistance. So it means that our normal methods of chemotherapy aren't very effective because they're like stem cells. They have this sort of self-replicating and rebuilding and resilient characteristic. So since these researchers are familiar with the properties of the Zika virus, which is to actually really go after central nervous system cells, they thought, well, maybe there's a way we can use this. So they took some of these central nervous system cells, CNS cells, and they put them obviously in some Petri dishes and they exposed the Zika virus to them and said, well, actually, it, it's going after them pretty well and, and destroying these cancerous cells. That's pretty useful. So they moved further and further through different stages of this study, which ultimately culminated in exposing a series of mice which had developed substantial tumours in their brains and also down their central nervous system. And what they found is that this exposure with the Zika virus was actually incredibly beneficial for them. Pretty much in almost all cases, the mice with these advanced, very hard-to-kill tumours in their central nervous system, once they were exposed to varying concentrations of the Zika virus, but even a small amount was enough to actually completely kill all those tumours. And not only that, the mice then survived for very long periods of time, over 80 days. So the exposure to the Zika virus wasn't damaging to them. It actually was incredibly helpful. It killed their really hard-to-kill cancer cells and left them safe. Interestingly, though, as a side note, the control group, the one that didn't have the cancer cells but had in a suppressed immune system, when they were exposed to the Zika virus, they did much, much worse because their immune systems were suppressed, so they couldn't respond effectively to the Zika virus, so they only lasted around 30 days, so they had poor health outcomes. But importantly, the studies showed that it's possible to use the super-aggressive powers of the Zika virus to actually go after really well-established, really hard-to-kill cancers that have developed inside the central nervous system, even cancers that have then metastasized and spread into the spinal cord. So the good news out of this study is that it shows for these super aggressive cancers that there is no other good way to treat them. Chemotherapy doesn't work or normal traditional methods don't work. We finally now have a really powerful potential new tool in our arsenal. Now they've completed mice trials over several stages. The next thing is to look for two to three patients who aren't responding to conventional treatment to do a pilot trial and then of course a larger trial with more patients. But this is some groundbreaking work, which shows that by some innovative thinking, we can repurpose what is normally a devastating virus, Zika virus, to actually make it work for us to help it tackle an even bigger problem and not actually hurt anyone in the process. So this is some great work being done out of the University of Paulo in Brazil. This has been the Young Scientist of Australia's podcast, Lagrange Point. This week we cover some of the latest science in tackling the Zika virus, improving vaccines and treatment methods, as well as ways to repurpose Zika virus to make it work for us instead of against us. 
Our ending theme was composed by Audio Head to ysa.org.au for more information about the Young Scientists of Australia.